Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Well, a few years ago, uh, late one night, Bonnie and I, with our friends Ryan and Karen, we were driving out on the freeway in, in eastern Oregon, headed on our way to the Idaho border to visit some friends. And we had to leave late, so it was about midnight, as we're crossing the, the Blue Mountains, and it's dark, and, and it starts to snow. And uh, what I notice as it starts to snow is that there's several semis, just a line of semis pulled over on the side of the road, chaining up. And my thought was, well, I'm in a Subaru, so what could go wrong, right? (laughs) The Subaru is the fix-all for traction. And so I said, no, we'll just keep going. And I slowed down to 45 to keep it safe, but we're really in a blizzard. And so we're going down the road, and then all of a sudden, the car starts to swerve. I didn't really know what to think about that, but all of a sudden I had fishtailed at 45 miles an hour, and now I'm looking at the front of the road through my passenger window, and it's freaking me out, and it's the middle of the night. And so remember, we have three people in the car, and they all had very different reactions to this situation. So Karen, sweet Karen, just froze. She didn't say anything. She was just, ah, you know, just freaking out inside. Bonnie, my wife, was quite the opposite. Um, she was like, Tyler, what are you doing? Turn, 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 yelling, angry. My friend Ryan was amazing. He turned into like coach mode. He was like Pete Carroll sitting next to me. Just, you got this man. You got it. I'm for you. Just turn the wheel and straighten up. I know you can do it. He was like, he's like a dad trying to like help his kid ride a bike. You know, he's like, you got this. Just hang on. It's three very different reactions. And then I turn the wheel, and all of a sudden I'm looking out Ryan's window at the front of the road. We're just fishtailing on the, on the freeway in the middle of the night in the snow. But panic messes us up. Panic really, really messes us up. Maybe we start by saying, yeah, I got this. And then we're like, I got this? And we're like, I don't got this. Like, I am going everywhere. You know, it's in those moments, actually, physiologically, our brain shuts off. I don't know if you know this, but in moments of panic, like, our, we, we can't use most of our brain. It reduces our brain function to just our brain stem in moments of panic. And you've heard of the fight or flight response, right? Like, all we have is fight, flight, or in Karen's case, freeze, right? You're just, <laughs> what do I do? And, you know, skidding down the road sideways is one time I've experienced panic in my life, but I've experienced panic in a lot of other ways, as I'm sure we all have. I've panicked over health. I've panicked over finances. I've panicked over things I couldn't control at work or things I couldn't control at home, situations that just happen. We all have things that we panic over. We all have moments where, like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And you've heard of lizard brain, like we just kind of freeze or freak out or whatever we do, fight, flight, or freeze. And the truth is we're all prone to it. We're all prone to panic. We're all prone to um, pulling the ripcord when times get tough because there's times where we feel like we can't breathe, There's times where we feel like the walls are closing in. There's times where we feel like we're headed to disaster and we don't know what to do. And so as we continue our series, Jesus versus Religion, today, we're going to look at a time where Jesus warns his disciples about the future. 
he warns his disciples that as they continue in their faith, that they're going to experience some difficult things and to be prepared. And in the midst of, of calling his disciples to endurance, his message is the same. Don't panic. Don't swerve. Just stay the course. Like, that's Jesus' message to his disciples. Don't panic. Don't waver in your faith. Because sometimes when things in our life reach a boiling point, we're tempted to lose faith. We're tempted to freak out. You know, I'm sure we walked in the build, this building this morning with different things bubbling up in our lives, questions that we have for God, or questions that we have about life, like how is this situation going to be fixed? You know, burdens that can feel overwhelming. We might even arrive here mad at God this morning, really, really wrestling on some things, struggling. But it could also be that we've gotten tired of struggling, and we give up. We give up with God. We get tired and we give up. I wonder if people settle for religion because they're tired of the struggle. They're tired of what they've had to endure because following Jesus is not a religious practice. It's a relationship. And relationships are unpredictable. Relationships can be demanding and it could be easier to commit to a routine than to actually commit to follow Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's tough. That's difficult. And so as we open Matthew 24 this morning and we see this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, um, we'll see this uh, come out. And so uh, we're going to be in Matthew 24, verse 1. Um, you can read it in your Bible. It'll also be up here on the screen. It says, Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, but he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See to it that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. So that's where Jesus starts. So to go back to this scene, Jesus is walking through the temple with his disciples, and his disciples are in tourist mode. You know, they're, if it, what you have to know about the disciples is that they're from a small town up north that's mainly a fishing town. Does that sound familiar to anything? <laughs> but they're from this little fishing community, and now they're in this big city, and they're, they're in this temple, massive temple complex. And the, the temple has big white marble pillars that go up 37 and a half feet tall. They have these huge buildings that are like 45 and a, and a half feet wide. They have colonnades and this beautiful ornate gates. And so they're just in awe. And because they're in awe of all the structures, they just kind of vocalize that to Jesus. And, um, you know, and, and, and maybe you've felt this way if you've ever gone to Europe or somewhere like that. And you've, you, like I've, I've gone to England and I remember being in a cathedral and just kind of taking in the, the splendor of it, like the, the art, the sculptures, the, you know, the, um, all of it. And, and, and so I wonder if they're sort of in that place too. And what does Jesus do? 
he kills the buzz. He, he kills it right there. Um, Jesus wasn't about to nerd out on the temple. He says, oh, you're impressed? Well, pretty soon this is all going to be a pile of rubble. Like, what a downer, Jesus. You know, disciples are probably thinking, thanks for raining on our parade. I've never seen this before. You know, come on. I know you've seen a lot more than this, but. But anyways, they kind of hang out on his words, and his, Jesus' words bother the disciples. They can't really let it go. It just kind of lingers. Like, what does he mean that, you know, no stone will be left upon another? What does he mean that this will all be rubble? And so later, as they're on a hillside, his disciples summon up the courage to ask Jesus more about it. Like, you know, I'd be a little scared. Like, do I really want to know? Like, what's going to happen at the end? Should I ask him? Okay, and, and his closest disciples, Luke says that it's Peter, James, John, and Andrew. It's his closest disciples that actually get the courage to ask him. And they go up and they, they want to clarify, Jesus to clarify, so what do you mean? That the, when is the, the temple going to fall apart? And they want to know, when will you return? What, you know, what do you mean that, you know, that all, this, uh, all this chaos is going to happen? And um, the first words out of Jesus' mouth about the future are see that no one leads you astray. So that's the first thing he says, and it sets the framework for the whole rest of the passage. He's like, I'm, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, but see that no one leads you astray. The future is going to be difficult, but see that no one leads you astray. And that idea of not being led astray, he's really saying be careful. Be careful when you're out in the world. Like It's going to be difficult. The journey is going to be hard, but be aware of the dangers that lie ahead and don't swerve. And I think just like driving in a snowstorm, faith is a really treacherous journey. It's not easy. It's a difficult road. And there are times where we're tempted to go astray or to doubt. Uh, We're tempted to give up. And Jesus says, be careful. Watch out and recognize that these things that are happening are going to happen. And so Jesus shares with his disciples all the different reasons that they're going to have to panic. You know, it basically erases any expectation that they had that their life as a disciple was going to be easy. He's like, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And he gives four reasons why it's going to be difficult. And I think even though we, we may have heard this before, we know that the, the, our walk with Jesus isn't, isn't supposed to be easy, that it, it is a difficult road, that, you know, we lose our life to gain his. I think sometimes we still think, maybe, I wonder if we think that sometimes if we, if we do right by God, that he's going to do right by us. That if we give God what he wants, he'll give us what we want. You know, I, I wonder if we still expect to have sort of a charmed life, that everything will go well for us if we follow Jesus in every area of my life. And what this says, Jesus doesn't say that here. He doesn't say that here. He said the road's going to be tough. There's going to be hazards. And so what I want to do this morning is look at these reasons that we might be tempted to panic. Like, what are the, what are the reasons we might be tempted to panic? Before before this new heaven and new earth comes, before Jesus comes back, what are going to be the dangers that lurk in the world? And this first reason that he talks about that we just read is that there's, it's always going to feel like there's impending disaster. Anybody feel that way about the world? Like, just watch the news. It's always going to feel like there's impending disaster out there. 
Before Jesus returns, his disciples can expect natural disasters. Um, they can expect geopolitical disasters. They can expect economic disasters. And he starts with this city of Jerusalem that actually in, in 70 AD, about 30 years after um, Jesus died and was, was raised again, the Romans would actually put a siege on Jerusalem and they would level the temple. They, they'd knock it all to stone and many, many people would die. Um, there was a historian named Josephus who recorded that the soldiers would go through and there were just houses full of dead bodies. Like it was just a gruesome scene. And so he talks about, Jesus talks about that as this kind of this first war. But he says there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars, but still don't panic. And war is something that's difficult because it's out of our control. We don't control when our country goes to war. We don't control when we enter uh, when things break down in the world and, and, you know, we talk about nukes and all these different things, all of that is outside of our control. Um, at any moment, our world could change. At any moment. We live with that reality. You know, I, I was thinking about Veterans Day is tomorrow, and we celebrate veterans because they've had to face realities that most of us haven't had to face. You know, most of, most of us haven't had to face battle and bloodshed. Most of us haven't had to face the reality that we might not be on the planet tomorrow, um, you know, wondering if this is going to be our last day. And so we honor veterans because of their sacrifice, because of their willingness uh, to put themselves out there. And Jesus is saying that the world is always going to feel like it's on the brink of collapse, but don't panic. Don't allow it to consume your thoughts and your heart. Don't allow it to, to sway your focus off of the kingdom of God. So that's, that's the first thing. And the second reason for panic, if the first wasn't enough, we got more. Three more, guys. So awesome. Um, but the second reason for panic he talks about is persecution. Jesus says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Can we just pause there for a second? Um, that's, a, that's a difficult verse. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Like that's, a, that's a hard statement. That word tribulation, it means um, pressure and, and affliction. That if we follow Christ, that we'll experience pressure and affliction from others, that will experience suffering at the hands of others. And what you need to know is, well, Jesus says this, he's looking um, at his disciples, and 10 of his 12 disciples will be martyred. They'll die at the hands of other people. Judas would betray him, and he'd end his own life, and then John would die in exile, but for the rest of them, like, they're going to be martyred. And for me, that's one of the strongest cases that this is real, is that the people who walked with Jesus, who saw him be crucified and saw him resurrected, that they were actually willing, after all that, to lay their lives down for it. I mean, that to me speaks to the reality of this situation. If, if, if Jesus was a fraud, I wouldn't be willing to put my life down for him. But they were. They were willing to surrender everything. And I think when we hear about people dying for their faith and persecution, there's kind of a distance in our minds, because I, I feel like where we're at, there's, we're a little bit insulated from that. 
you know, we're a little bit, there's a little bit of a bubble wrap around us, you know, and so we, we don't have to, like, face a daily worry of being attacked or, or killed for our faith, but it, it is happening right now. Um, BBC News reported earlier this year that in some countries, Christian persecution is at near genocide levels. Um, in Palestine, for instance, 15 years ago, 27% of Palestinians were Christians, and today it's 1.5%. Um, in 2003, there were 1.5 million Christians in Iraq, and today there's only 120,000. Like, people are fleeing, leaving, feeling this pressure, being killed. Um, we've heard of major attacks in different parts of the world, different countries. But many Christians face this type of persecution on a daily basis. And, and would it be fair for us to think that that couldn't happen to us, or that couldn't happen here, if it's, if it's happening in other co countries with people who are following Jesus. Because I think there isn't a separation. You know, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Like, we'll experience some type of persecution. We'll experience some type of struggle for our faith. We can expect some type of pressure. It may not be living in fear of losing your life, but it might be. I mean, it, whatever Jesus calls us to. And I, so I think the question for us, are we, willing to stand, or be, are we willing to stand out? Are we willing to be different? Are we willing, are we willing to face resistance, uh, criticism, or silence from others because of the fact that we follow Jesus? Um, just this week, uh, Francis Chan announced that he was actually going to be moving his family to Myanmar, uh, which is formerly Burma in Southeast Asia. And he, he said, you know, the, he, he's sharing the gospel in the United States where so many people are sharing the gospel, but there's so little uh, amount of people sharing the gospel in this small country. It's like, you know, everybody's at the same fishing hole and, and this one's being ignored. And so he said, I, I didn't want to be a coward and, and God called me to go. And so he went, you know, God can call us to these kind of crazy, scary things. And are we willing to go? Are we willing to be different? Jesus continues to on to the third reason we may panic. Um, the third reason is that people will abandon the faith. Jesus says, and then many people will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. So that word fall away, it's like stumble. He's saying you're going to watch a lot of people stumble in their faith. Like, just expect it. Like, you're going you're gonna to watch a lot of people who are following Jesus all of a sudden not follow Jesus. And if you've ever had a leader, like I, I've had in my life, like a leader who is really, like, passionate for Jesus and all of a sudden fell away, that's, that's kind of a hard feeling, you know, um, when we watch other people stumble. And I think it's those times when we see other people fall away. It, it tests the source of our faith. Like, where is our faith rooted? Is our faith rooted in someone else? Or is our faith rooted in Jesus? Is our faith rooted in Jesus, or are we depending on other people? Because I think God can use those situations to actually bring us closer to him. And I think that's why Jesus tells his disciples in, Rome, in, in John 15, he says, Remain in me. Remain in me and I in you. Remain connected to me. Keep seeking me. Keep pursuing me so that you don't fall away. So that in verse 6, he says, If you don't remain in me, you'll be like a branch that withers. 
And so we have to expect that um, there will be people that we love whose faith will wither. And we need to encourage and walk alongside, but Jesus says to expect that. It's so important that we continue. That's why it's so important we continue to seek Jesus. And if we have drifted off, it's so important to repent and say, Jesus, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to reconnect with you. Because I think sometimes when we swerve away from Jesus, it's like a slow fade. It's like kind of like falling asleep at the wheel. And, you know, we, it's a slow drift, and all of a sudden we wake up and we're on the shoulder, right? Um, but we need to stay alert, is what he's saying. So Jesus says that there's some who will fall away and they'll turn on the church. You know, they'll, they'll follow false teachers. And, you know, that idea of cynicism, maybe you know people who used to be really passionate for Jesus and about the church, and now it's like the flip-flop. He's like, he says, expect that. Like, there's going to be people who are just it's excited about Jesus in one moment and then, like, the harshest critic of the church in the next moment. And so maybe if, if we find our hearts becoming cynical, like, well, you know, I, I don't know about the church or, um, or whatever or, or about God, maybe we just need to spend time with God and remember who he is that he is God, that he is in control. We remember that he's our creator and that he, um, he's the one that we follow. And, and we need to spend time with him so that he can get our heart right. You know, if we're feeling tired or distant from God, we just need to spend time with him and allow him to get our heart right. So, okay, there's one more, guys. I know there's one more. Um, but the last reason Jesus says we have to panic is that we'll live in an unraveling society. It'll feel like society is just unraveling all around us. He uses this verse. Jesus says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So Jesus says that order is going to continue to break down in the world. That people are going to become more and more lawless or basically live without the law, live their own law, live their own way. That the, the phrase of the day would be, do right by you. Whatever you want to do, do it. And that w- people will continue to do that. And so um, because of the chaos of all of that and sort of the mantra, just do right by you, Jesus says the, <laughs> so cute. Jesus says the, the love of many will grow cold. That, that we'll, our, our fire will kind of be quieted, will kind of be put out because we see that's not the way that other people are doing things. Like, we'll be tempted to just kind of keep our light hidden, you know, keep the fire contained for God. You know, I think our passion for God can be so hard to, to maintain. You know, we have pressure, we have distraction, like we have a million ways we can entertain ourselves, um, you know. And, but if you cut it all back, all the, all the things that you have to do, all the, all the stress that you have to live with, can you remember a time where you were really passionate about God? Was there a time in your life where you were just hungry for God, where you wanted to spend time with him? Where the, the thought of spending time with God didn't feel like work, but it actually excited you. What changes that? What changes that? Are there things in our life that, are, are, are there idols in our life that kind of quiet that flame? Maybe we get distracted. Are, are there things in our life that we kind of, um, we want to do right kind of by both camps? Or, or what, what's going on there? Because Jesus is saying that when we try to, we try to live both ways, it just doesn't work. 
We end up being lukewarm. We end up, our love ends up growing cold. And uh, Francis Chan, who I mentioned earlier, he said this. He said, lukewarm people will serve God and others, but there are limits to how far they will go or how much time, money, and energy they're willing to give. So could it be that our passion for Jesus has been quieted because we put limits on it? Like, I'm willing to serve you here. I'm not willing to serve you there. What are those limits? Have we put limits around the Spirit's work in our life? Like, Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Because a fire for Jesus is the only thing that's going to sustain you through it all. It's a growing passion for Jesus. It's a, it's a growing heart for God that's going to sustain you. It's a spiritual passion. It's a hunger and a desire that will keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And so what we need to do is keep adding fuel to that fire, right? Nobody can do that for you, but you've got to continue to add fuel to the fire, to spend time with God, to keep in step with him. You know, I think where I struggle the most and where a lot of people struggle the most is during the week, right? During the, the stress of the week, do, are, we, are we looking to spend time with Jesus or are you looking for an escape? When you're caught in stress, are you looking for an escape? Are you looking for time with Jesus? There's a thousand things you could do to escape, but maybe God's calling you to spend time with him. So, after Jesus gives all these reasons to panic, he gets to the point and he says this, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. He says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. That all disciples are called to endure suffering in this life. This is what you're signing up for. And if, if you've truly been saved, then you will endure if the Spirit has changed you. And that verse scares me a little bit, that idea that, that um, the one who endures to the end will be saved but I can't take it out of the Bible. I can't take it out of the Bible. I know that if I truly believed, if I've, if, if I've truly heard Jesus' voice, he says in John 10 that no one can snatch me out of his hand. So I know that. But I think what the scripture is saying that our faith is actually proven through our actions. That our faith, if our faith is real, then we'll actually endure suffering. We'll endure the challenges that we face. Um, our faith is proven through enduring some of those trials and suffering. So here is the question for us today. Is your faith worth suffering for? Is your faith worth suffering for? Is Jesus worth suffering for? Is he worth experiencing rejection? Is he worth abandoning the pleasures of the world for? Is he worth it? Because it's at those moments where we decide, is Jesus worth it? Is following Jesus worth laying these things down? Because that's the real choice. Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses it for my sake will find it. And in the heat of the moment, we might look for ways to save our own life. It's like when you're going down the road and you forget where you're going. Maybe it's this temptation to pull into a truck stop and say, you know, I can just set up shop here and this will be my life. Instead of forgetting where we're headed. Jesus opens our eyes to this whole new way of life, to this destination that we're headed. 
Because the truth is, for all his disciples, one day we'll see him face to face. We'll live in a place where there won't be any more suffering, where there won't be any more pain, where there won't be mourning. We'll live with Jesus. He says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's where we're headed. It's this ultimate happy ending. And the call for us right now is to endure. Because if we forget where we're going, we might veer off the road. We might settle for way less. And there's a day coming, and it's not that far away, where we'll actually stand before God, where we'll stand before him, and, uh, and, and we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear that. So are we journeying towards that day? Or have we pulled over and made our, uh, made our life about a rest stop or a, a truck stop somewhere? Because the simple thing that God would call us all to, no matter what our situation is, no matter what we're looking at right now, no matter what the difficulty is, is to hold on. Hold on to Jesus. That's the best thing we can do, to trust and obey him. No matter what chaos is disrupting your life right now, no matter if you see other people dropping off the wagon, you know, Jesus says, don't panic. Hold on. Trust me. And I believe that the safest place to be is right in the middle of the will of Jesus. Right in Jesus' hands. You know, as we were sliding all over the road, all I could do in that moment was just hold on. Just hold on and see what happens. I didn't know if we were going to flip. I didn't know if we were going to be injured. And so we swerved and swerved and swerved. And all of a sudden, miraculously, we were going the right direction, and I had control of the vehicle. Like it was, it was like a miracle. Everyone clapped and cheered and breathed a sigh of relief. But it, we had to hold on. We had to hold on. We didn't know what was going to happen. And as we close with communion today, I just want you to remember this, that Jesus held on for you. That Jesus held on to the plan even when it cost him his life. That Jesus reached a moment in the garden where he wanted to, to bail, uh, where he, in his humanness, he wanted to give up. And he asked his father, he prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. You know, how many times do we pray that prayer? Jesus, take this away. Take this burden away. And Jesus is right there with us. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. You know, Father, take this. I'm tired. I can't handle it anymore. I'm weak. I, I don't think I can keep going. But then he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, even if you don't take this burden from me, not my will, but yours be done. That's the prayer of trust and obedience. That's the prayer of the disciple that, not my will, God, not, not what I want, God, what you want. What do you want for my life? I surrender my dreams. I surrender whatever is about me to you. Would you use it for your kingdom? Even if that means I have to do something crazy, like get rid of my phone or something, you know? Even if that means doing something crazy, like committing myself to other Christians. Even if that means something crazy, like moving to another place uh, to share Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you today and we thank you for what you've done for us. Your love for us poured out 
on a cross. You loved us enough to suffer for us. You endured the cross for us, God. And Jesus, I pray, I don't know if we're feeling encouraged or discouraged, but Jesus, I pray that you would meet us where we're at. I pray that you would help us to trust you and help us to hold on. That God, if we, if we have questions in our faith right now, that you would provide answers and more importantly, assurance through your Holy Spirit in us. Father, it can be a hard thing to endure. It can be a hard thing to continue to say yes. But Jesus, I pray for strength for that, for all of us. And as we come to this table, God, this table reminds us that even when we fail, you didn't. And that we can lean on you, that our salvation is a gift from you. That you suffered, that you died for us on that cross. You took the sin, you took the, the burden that was ours, and you died for us and you set us free. Lord, help us to live in light of that. Help us to be changed, God, by the gospel. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.